Good morning, 2018. I am so excited about this series. I can hardly stand it. So I'm going to start out with the question. Are you ready for the answer? Are you ready to study God's Word today? Amen. Okay. Uh, if you're not, hold on. You're in for a ride anyway. We're going to have a good time today. Uh, go ahead and uh, grab a Bible if you brought one or you can use your device. We will have uh, most everything on the screen today as well. And then you probably, hopefully, got a card when you came in. We will get to that later. And so uh, we'll have ushers who are ready if you need those at the end of the service, if you did not get one when you walked in the doors. Okay, so this is the first day of our new series called The Secret to lasting change. And what we're going to talk about here, I think, is probably best begun with a simple question. And the question is this. If there is one thing in your life that you could change today, what would it be? Uh, maybe for some, you would like to be a better husband this year, or a better parent, a better Mother, maybe you want to grow stronger in the Word of God as we've been focusing on this morning, making it the foundation for your life. And so maybe this is the year that you want to read through the Bible in a year, as many of us do. Uh, maybe you'd like to overcome some of those deep-seated insecurities in your life where you're always worried about everything and, and, uh, and uncertain. Maybe uh, you would like to change some of the patterns and get more physically fit this year. Maybe you would like to get your finances in order and get out of debt. Maybe this is the year you could finally get your schedule under control and not run around busy and frantic and overloaded all the time. But here's the tough part. Many of us have tried to make those changes and failed. In fact, I wonder if some of us might go home today and be able to go into the kitchen pantry and find a five-year-old can of Ultra Slim Fast. <laughs> Do they, I don't know if they make that anymore. Uh, maybe some of us have one of those really expensive coat racks at home uh, that has the word Nordic Track on it, uh, buried under a pile of laundry. You haven't seen it in two years. Uh, maybe uh, you had a, a budget plan, and this is the year you were going to get your finances in order, in order. And you said that last year until the car broke down and the mini split had to be replaced. Uh, maybe you, you decided that you were going to start a Bible reading plan, and last year you thought was going to be the year that you would read all the way through the Bible. And it was awesome for about five days until the morning that you slept in and were late for work, and then the next day you forgot, and then before long... It was a distant memory. Uh, maybe you have a stack of books on time management, but you haven't had the time to read them yet. <laughs> and so what we end up with so often, so often are these, these feelings of guilt, where we, we're tired of trying again and again and again and failing. And so eventually, sometimes we just decide, you know what, maybe this is just who I am. Maybe my life is never going to get any better. Well, today, this series that we begin over the next month or so is going to be for you because we are going to begin today with the question to try to answer why our attempts to change so often fail. And sometimes we think that the answer is just to try harder. If I could just, you know, put my mind to it and if I could work harder this year, then I could get those things done. But the Bible says that just trying harder may not actually be the answer. 
And here's why. Because superficial analysis only brings superficial change in our lives. Could we say that together, superficial analysis? Here we go. Let's say it out loud together. Superficial analysis only brings superficial change. In other words, when we only focus on superficial things in our lives, we only make superficial changes to our lives, and superficial change never lasts. Guess what? That's the secret. I guess you don't have to come back the next month. We're, we, we, that's, that's the secret. Superficial analysis is what we so often do, and it only leads to superficial change in our lives. And that never lasts. Some of this idea I love illustrated in the teaching of Chip Ingram where he draws a triangle. And that triangle represents our lives. And so as we put that on the screen, you see a little wavy line that goes across to show that this represents an iceberg, that our lives are kind of like an iceberg. And you know that when you see an iceberg floating in the water off of Newfoundland, that what you see above the surface of the water is only a part of the whole. In fact, most of the iceberg is beneath the surface of the water line where you cannot see it. And that's true in our lives. There are two things in our lives above the water line and two things below the water line. And so at the very tip of the iceberg, we're going to talk about our behavior. Behavior obviously has to do with the choices that we make, the things that we do, the ways that we act, and everybody can see that, right? We can see that in other people's lives every single day, the behavior that we choose. Then just above the waterline, but, but under behavior are our words, our speech, the things that we say, the things that spill out of our mouth above the waterline. But just beneath the surface, where we can somewhat keep these things hidden from others, are our thoughts and our attitudes. The things that we think about and focus on, and the way that we process information, and our attitudes and our feelings. And then at the very bottom, we find our beliefs and our values. What you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about the world, what you believe about other people, and the values that you hold dear, the priorities that you have in place. And here's what we need to understand, that the most important part of this whole system of our lives has to do with this foundational issue at the very bottom, our beliefs and values, because this is what everything else is built upon. And nobody else can see these things because they're below the waterline. But the things that you believe and the, way, the things that you value influence the way that you think about things and your attitudes and how you feel from day to day. And, and the way that you think and the way that you feel then begins to, as much as you might try to hide it, begins to slip out into your speech and the words that you speak, which ultimately impact your behavior and the choices that you make each and every day. And so here's the big secret. 
I said right here, we we may give away the secret and then you might not have to come for the rest of the series, but I hope you will because there's so much good that we're going to cover in the next four weeks or so. But the secret is this, here's the problem. When we try to make changes in our lives, so often we start in the wrong place. The secret that, that, that reveals why we so often try to make changes and they do not last, is because we tend to try to start up here with our behavior. We go ahead and we say, well, you know, I really don't like this this result in my life, so I need to change the way that I do things. I need to to change my, uh, my, my, uh, my actions. I need to change my eating patterns. I need to change my schedule. I need to change the way that I handle my finances. I need to start doing this, and I need to stop doing that. And so we come up with these quick fixes to our behavior at the tip of the iceberg. And and what happens is it lasts so often for about two months or two weeks or sometimes even two days. Uh, In my own life, some of the areas that I've struggled with uh, in this arena would be impatience. I don't know if there's anybody here who ever struggles with patience. Uh, like, I, like one of the areas where I really struggle with patience is driving in the car and I get behind a slow driver in a single lane. It's confession time. Some, somebody's about to get Jesus today. Uh, that, that, uh, and, and so it really helps my prayer life because I get behind them and I'm like, Lord, would you please bless that driver in front of me? Like, like really bless their right foot and give it extra weight, Lord. Lord, Lord, that you would bless them, that they would know that they need to speed up or get out of the way in Jesus' name. Like that. Uh, and, and, and in other places in the grocery store, when you have to pick the line at Costco, right? And, and so you start running the calculations. If you're like me, you're in at Walmart and picking the slowest line will absolutely ruin your day. Am I right? And so you have to run the calculations. And so I start to calculate how many people are standing in each line with uh, the compounded by the number of items that each person has in their cart, divided by the relative intelligence and apparent speed of the cashier. (laughs) And and, uh, and, am I the only one who runs these calculations? And so so you, you add on top of that that this other behavior that I have where I don't like to ask for help. And I, I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm needy, and so I'll just try to do things on my own in, in a way that sometimes is not always the best way. And then I have this other issue where I, I find it hard to say no to people. And so, so if someone was in the hospital, you know, back in the day, if someone was in the hospital and I had to be the one to go see them, and if somebody, you know, needed something done, I needed to be the one to help them. And, and so I would commit to this meeting and that commitment and that meeting and, and teach that class and, and fill up every moment of my life with all of these responsibilities. And, and in my 20s and early 30s, I was killing myself trying to be the super pastor. In fact, my wife Tracy would get after me and have to like tie me down with rope to make me take a day off. And, uh, and I was too proud. I didn't want anyone to question my commitment and, and my leadership. I had to be the first one there and the last one to leave at, at everything. And during that season in my life, I, my back was always in pain and I was unhealthy. I was getting sick all the time. I didn't feel good. And, and I went to see a doctor And the doctor at this appointment, I didn't even know this doctor, and he sat me down at the end of the appointment and he said, 
He said, Joel, we need to have a talk. And he said, let me share with you some assumptions that I think that I can make about your life. And he said, here's what I think your, your schedule is like. And I, I kind of nodded. And he said, and, and let me guess, most days you don't even stop to eat lunch because you just don't think that you can take a break. And I kind of nodded like, how do you know? And he said, because I know your type. And he said, I know you're only in your, in your early 30s, he said, but look, if you, if you don't want to die an early death of stress and live with constant pain in your back and getting sick all the time. You need to make some change in the, in the patterns of your life. You need to start eating differently and start exercising and start putting margin in your schedule. And I'm, I'm here to tell you today that I've made all of those changes and, and live so much more of a healthy life right now. Uh, in fact, some people are surprised when they find out that uh, like 10, 12 years ago that I was 25 or 30 pounds heavier and my waist size was four inches larger than it is today. And so, uh, so when it comes to what was going on, why was I living in that level of stress and being bothered and overwhelmed all the time. What happened is that wake-up call forced me to look beneath the surface in my life, not just to look at the behaviors or even my speech, but to look down deep into my beliefs and values and see that I was deeply insecure and so much wanted to impress other people with how hard I work. I so much wanted to be respected as a young leader. One time about 12 years ago, I remember at a board meeting when I kind of lost my cool. That, that at that point, I had not taken a real vacation in three years. And I was getting ready to lead a biblical tour with a group of people from our church to Israel. And in a board meeting, somebody mentioned, when it comes to scheduling some things, somebody mentioned something about me taking, uh, you know, going on vacation to Israel. And it ticked me off. Like, I'm a pastor there too, and I'm working, I'm taking all these people and discipling them. And, it, and I realized, what is going on? What is going on beneath the surface? And it was that, it was some of those wake-up calls that caused me to look down deep and see that I had been more concerned about seeking the approval and respect of men rather than the approval and blessing of God. I hope I didn't get as bad, but maybe I did, as the pastor I mentioned before, Chip Ingram, where uh, one day he was sharing Christ with someone, a guy that he was friends with who was not a Christian, and he was telling him about Jesus, and, you know, wouldn't you like to, to find forgiveness and new life in Christ? And his friend got really honest with him and said, look, Chip, I don't want to hurt your feelings. But if being a Christian means living a stressed out life like you, then I don't want it. And so when it comes to this whole process of deep and lasting change in our lives. When it comes to, to making change, the real issue is really often not what we think it is. Really often it, it's not the financial issues. It, it, it's, it's not necessarily 
just the debt. It's not necessarily just our exercise or our eating patterns. It not, it's not necessarily our, our schedule and our commitments or this or that. When it comes to making lasting change, the real issue is our need to look beneath the surface into our thoughts and our attitudes and our beliefs and our values. Because remember this, remember what we said, superficial analysis only brings superficial change and superficial change never lasts. And so how do we do this? How do we get this right? How do we look beneath the surface? I'm glad you asked. Today, for the beginning of this series, we're going to look at Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. This is from the great King David, the King of Israel, who in a time of searching in his own life, he asked God to help him to get beneath the surface and see the deeper issues in his own life. And here's the prayer uh, that David prayed. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Could we read that out loud together? Let's, let's read that good and loud. Here we go. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, do you see what David does here? He doesn't start at the tip of the iceberg. He doesn't say, Lord, help me change my behavior. Father, help me get this worked out and change this behavior and start doing this and stop doing that. No, 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 no. The first thing he does is say, search me, God, down deep inside, beneath the waterline, and know my heart. Test me and know my thought life. What's going on behind the scenes where nobody else sees it? And my anxieties, my worries. And then see if there is any offensive way in me. In other words, Lord, help me see anything in my life that is out of line with your desire for my life. There's a word for this, and the word is integrity. Now, when I say integrity, I know immediately we, we tend to think about our, uh, you know, honesty and, you know, not telling lies, and, and that is definitely part of it, but it's more than that. See, integrity comes from the same root word as integrated. In other words, that what is above the surface in our life needs to be integrated with what is beneath the surface in life. So that everything is in vertical alignment with God's word and God's will for my life. That kind of integrity involves three things. First of all, it means being honest with ourselves. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. In other words, don't think of yourself way up here, and also don't think of yourself way down here. Get an accurate picture of who you really are. And one of the reasons that I think we so often struggle to make this kind of significant and lasting change is because of the issue of pride in our lives. 
And we so often think, you know, pride is just people who talk big about themselves and brag about themselves and think much of themselves. But did you know that pride can also be people who walk around all the time saying, oh, woe is me, I can never get anything right. Oh, poor me, I'll never get any better. That's pride too, because listen, pride is being preoccupied with ourselves. And so get this, pride is not just thinking highly of yourself, pride is thinking only of yourself. Let me, let me, let me say that again. Pride is not just thinking highly of yourself. Pride is thinking only of yourself. Oh, everybody, look at me. And so as we get honest with ourselves, that helps us as we get honest with God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. That part that's underlined, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That very first line, could we say that out loud together? The very first line of Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now what does that mean to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart? Well remember that the New Testament was not written in English, it was originally written in Greek. And the Greek word here for rule can also be translated like in sports, a, a referee or an umpire. And so when it says, let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your heart, what does an umpire do? An umpire calls the shots. An umpire calls what is in bounds and what is out of bounds. And so, in other words, when you let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your heart, you let the peace of his direction determine the course of your life and determine what is inbounds and what is out of bounds rather than living by what the world says to follow what he says. And, and when it comes to what happens when we don't have the peace of Christ ruling, being the umpire in our hearts, can you think of anybody in your life right now who's just completely out of control? Maybe it's a, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a spouse, and they're just making ridiculous decisions. Maybe it's you right now, and you don't even understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. Where that kind of out-of-control behavior comes from is from deep down in a heart that is not at peace with Christ. You know those people you just want to shake and say, what is wrong with you? Let me tell you what's wrong with them. The issue is a heart that is not at peace with Christ. But the good news, if that's where you are here today, the good news is that is why Jesus came to this earth. So that we who are in trouble and turmoil, we who have no peace, can find the peace that can only come from Christ, who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we can be forgiven. And when we receive that gift of salvation, we have our slate wiped clean, we receive new life, we get a new beginning. And from that point on, yes, we will still face difficulty. Yes, we will still face challenges in this troubled world. But even in the midst of the trouble around us, we can have the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. Amen? That's what we're here for. That's what we're seeking together. And it can only be found 
in Jesus. Amen. And so number three, when you do that, that's when you can begin to have honesty with others. Now, if you're a Christian here today, you need to understand how much people need to see God's love through your life. Because Proverbs 25, 26 says, like a muddied spring or a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. Now, what does that mean? When it comes to a spring or a well, most of us who live kind of in the city, we just turn on a faucet and out comes fresh, clean water. And we take that for granted. Maybe you live out in the country where you have a well or a spring. See, in most places in the world, and especially in ancient times, a whole community or a whole village could depend upon one spring or well for fresh water to stay alive. And without that water from that well, people die. But if you don't keep, take care of that spring, maybe somebody lets the, the, the sheep and the pigs get in there and dirty up the water and defecate in it, and the water gets nasty and polluted, and people who drink from it begin to get sick. And here's what happens. That which was designed to give life becomes a source of death. And so what happens when someone who God has brought the gift of righteousness to allows their spring to get polluted, their well to get muddied by the ways of the world? All of a sudden, the people who depend upon us, who rely upon us, the people in your family, the people in your church, the people in your community, the people at your school, the people at work, for some you are the only Jesus they know. The only Jesus they see is what they see in you. And so what do they find? Do they find a polluted well or do they find a fresh spring? And you might say, well, Joel, but I'm not perfect. I mess up. I make mistakes. I know. I do too. See, what people need from you is not perfection. What people need from you is integrity. Because remember, what is it? Vertical alignment. All people need in our lives is to see that even though we're not perfect and even though we don't have it all figured out and we don't necessarily have all the answers and, and sometimes we maybe make mistakes, but that, that, that our desire and our behavior and our words and our thoughts and our attitudes are all built upon a foundation of beliefs and values that are centered in the word of God and empowered by his spirit. That's, that's all we need to see. Not that you're perfect, but that we're in alignment. And so uh, today we have an assignment and the assignment uh, is not this week for you to go out and start a new Bible reading plan or not to go out and try to start a new financial plan, not to go and, and try to start a new diet or, or any of the, the outside behaviors that we tend to focus on. We, we can get to some of that stuff later, perhaps. But today, the assignment is really simple quiet time. 
You know, quiet time is a naughty word in our society today. We have so little silence in our lives. Every moment of our day is filled with television and uh, watching stuff on devices and uh, music and radio and busyness. And then when, as soon as we get a, a quiet second, what's the first thing we do? Right? Oh, nothing's going on. And Satan loves keeping us distracted. Here's why. Here's why we so often avoid silence and quiet time. Because it is in the quiet moments that God reveals the secrets of our heart. And so this week, the assignment is simply this. Every day this week, will you carve out some quiet time to do what David did and pray Psalm 139 to go beneath the surface? Psalm 139, you received this card when you came in. If you didn't get one, if we could go ahead and get our ushers ready just in case, would you hold up your hand if you did not get one of these when you, you slipped in? We have a few around who kind of slipped by without getting one of these. And so they're on their way. Just keep your hand up until they get to you. That this card is simply Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. And here's the assignment. Will you take this card and will you post it somewhere? Maybe you'll put it on the mirror in your bathroom so that every morning when you get up, while you're brushing your teeth, you remember to carve out a few minutes after you read this and pray this prayer to then say, Father, speak to me. Your servant is listening. Reveal the secrets of my heart. Maybe you'll put it in your kitchen on the refrigerator so that before or after breakfast in the morning, you'll stop and take a few quiet moments to do this. Maybe, maybe you'll put it on the dashboard of your car. Please don't pray with your eyes closed while you're driving. <laughs> and maybe before you go to work, you'll just sit in your garage as your car is heating up with the door open, by the way. Don't, don't. <laughs> maybe you should pull out into the driveway before you <laughs> sit <laughs> in your car with it running. But just to read this prayer to God, and say, Father, speak, for your servant is listening. And then be quiet. Stop talking and be quiet. And listen to what God has to say to you. And so in a spirit of meditation, could we pray this prayer together and do that right now? All together. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so, Father, we pray that throughout this week as we carve out that quiet time, that you would help us to see deep down beneath the surface in our lives. Reveal anything 
in us that is not in alignment with your word and with your will. Help us to look at our thought life and our our values. Help us to evaluate our attitudes and our feelings and why do we think that way and why do we feel that way? And is it possible that some of those things are out of alignment with your way? Father, reveal to us this week any times that our words do not reflect your glory. Any times when we speak negativity and curses over people rather than encouragement and blessing. Lord, help us even then to begin to see areas of our behavior And so, Father, that is what we ask today, that you would have permission this week to speak to us and reveal to each and every one of us this week areas of significant and lasting change that you want to help us work through in this series. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And so wherever you are on your spiritual journey, whether today you are far from God and today receiving glimmers of hope that he could bring transformation to you and that maybe you're ready to confess and receive Jesus as your Lord, there's no magic. It's just confession. See, confession is more than just good for the soul. It's essential for salvation. And maybe today you've walked with Christ for 50 or 60 or 70 years. And all this is old to you. You think nothing new under the sun. But I would venture to say that it is likely for any of us, wherever we are on that spectrum, that this week God wants to reveal the secrets of our hearts and challenge us in some area for significant and lasting change. And so as you go from this place, may the light of Christ shine brightly through you. May the enemy not have any power to condemn you because you are a child of God. And may he bless you and make you fruitful in everything that you do, that you would be a fresh spring, a well of blessing to everyone you meet. You are dismissed. Amen.